Welcome to the Raise with Jesus podcast, 10 minutes every day when the life of Jesus meets yours. You've got your daily Bible reading for June 26, 2019, looking at 1 Corinthians chapter 8. Paul writes, Now concerning things sacrificed to idols, we know that we all have knowledge. Knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. If anyone supposes that he knows something, he does not yet know the way he ought to know. But if anyone loves God, this person has been known by him. So concerning the eating of food from idol sacrifices, we know that an idol is not anything real in the world, and that there is no God but one. Indeed, even if there are so-called gods, whether in the heavens or on earth, as in fact there are many gods and many lords, nevertheless for us, There is one God, the Father, from whom all things exist, and we exist for him, and one Lord Jesus Christ, through whom all things exist, and we exist for him. However, that knowledge is not for everyone. Instead, some, who are still affected by their former habit with the idol, eat the food as something sacrificed to an idol, and their conscience being weak is defiled." Food will not bring us closer to God. We do not lack anything if we do not eat, nor are we better off if we do. And be careful that this right of yours does not somehow become a stumbling block to the weak. For if someone sees you, a person who has knowledge, dining in an idol's temple, will not the conscience of this man, weak as he is, be emboldened to eat food from an idol sacrifice? You see, the weak person is being destroyed by your knowledge, the brother for whose sake... Christ died. And when you sin in this way against your brothers and wound their weak conscience, you sin against Christ. Therefore, if food causes my brother to sin, I will never eat meat again, so that I do not cause my brother to sin. This is the word of our God. The next topic that Paul takes up, especially beginning in this chapter, is the freedom of the Christian. And one might say that that topic already began back in chapter 6, but that idea of Christian freedom uh, wasn't really germane to the topic in chapter 6, because the people were saying that they were free to do things that they really weren't, um, especially related to sexual matters in the second half of chapter 6. As though, you know, if you remember back to chapter 6, as though my sexual, you know, a person's sexual um, urges are just like, just like an appetite. You know, the stomach needs food, uh, the rest of the body needs to fulfill its appetite, and we're free to do so. In that chapter, Paul countered their argument by saying, you are not free to do so because here is the proper, the proper boundaries for proper sexual expression. And then he expanded on that a little bit more when he, <laughs> when he addresses the opposite argument in chapter 7. Where chapter 6 said, I am free to do what I want. Chapter 7 um, was the kind of response to that. And the people said, you aren't free to do any of that. In fact, this is better. And so chapter 6 and 7, although they deal with the topic of Christian freedom, um, at least obliquely, they don't deal with it directly. And Paul dealt with their question more directly so that they wouldn't miss what he was talking about. But beginning here in chapter 8, we really get into the topic of, of Christian freedom. And in verses 1 through 6 of this chapter, the first half of this chapter, we really see Paul um, agreeing with the freedom that they talk about. You know, the, the you got to set the table, set the scene a little bit here. That in, in the temple... In Jerusalem, 
they would offer the first sacrifice he would always offer was a whole burnt offering where the animal would be burnt up completely on the altar. And that was to, uh, to signify the taking away of sin and that the blood has been shed, the sin has been taken away. And then after that first sacrifice, then there are four other sacrifices that they could, they could use. The most common was a fellowship sacrifice, where they basically barbecue or you know grill the, the lamb on the altar, and then sit down to a fellowship meal together. If you think of it like a barbecue and a potluck, that's pretty much the same idea. Because they were demonstrating, in a very vivid way, how fellowship between God and people was restored, and therefore fellowship among God's people was also restored. And that's what happened in Jerusalem. In the pagan temples, especially when we get over into Greece, you know, Corinth is here in this very southern portion of Greece, um, they wouldn't sacrifice the whole animal. They would kill the animal and then and butcher it and and maybe sacrifice a part of it, like um, you know, a hindquarter or or maybe a tenderloin or maybe not. And then the rest of it would be sold in the meat market in the back part of the temple at a, you know, somewhat discounted price perhaps, and they'd still be making a hundred percent profit on anything they sold because it had been brought in um, as an offering or as a sacrifice. And then the proceeds from that sale would help to su support the temple as well. And so some, some of these Christians, these Corinthian Christians, um, who maybe had come from that background, or at the very least were familiar with the fact that it was you know $2 a pound cheaper than over at their local Kroger, um, they would go to the back part of the temple there and buy their cuts of meat there. And they're saying, you know, I'm free to do this. I can do what I want because the temple, you know, doesn't isn't to a real God. Um, it's not a real God, and the meats the meats high quality, and the meat is less expensive. And so Paul um, really Paul really agrees with their assertion of freedom in the first six verses. Um, Paul's like, oh yeah, we we know that we all have knowledge. Knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. Maybe a little bit ironic there, but that first verse of this chapter, knowledge puffs up, but love builds up, is kind of the outline that he follows. Part one of this sermon, verses one through six, uh, knowledge puffs up. Verses seven through 13, love builds up. And so when somebody would say, well, um, I have knowledge and so I can eat here is probably the discussion that was going on. You can just see that this church is dissolving into arguments left and right. Um, I have knowledge. I know what I can do and I can go eat and buy from this temple is the assertion. And Paul agrees. Well, yeah, you're right. Um, but he kind of sets the stage with that little bit of irony, even in verses 2 and 3. If anyone supposes that he knows something, he does not yet know the way he ought to know. Well, I know what I can do, um, so be quiet about it, and don't, don't give me any flack about it. But if anyone loves God, this person has been known by him. And so he really, he pick, he'll pick up this theme again uh, five chapters later in chapter 13, um, which is kind of the, the center point of his argument from chapters 12 through 14. Um, but the idea that love trumps everything else, that Jesus saved us from our sins and set us free, not that we would stand here on our rights, but that we would love one another and that we would love God 
And in that way, uh, we demonstrate the fulfillment of the law as people who are not obligated to the law anymore because we've been set free from the law because of Jesus' work and Jesus' perfect carrying out of the law. Um, we, now, we now completely serve one another in love. And we love God and we love our neighbors as fulfillment of the law. That's sanctification in a nutshell. And so Paul says, you know, beginning in verse 4, kind of that paragraph, um, you can eat from an idol temple if you want. You know that it's it's just a fake, <laughs> fake God. It's not a real thing. Um, and there's only one God and you worship the one true God. And these idols are really nothing. He'll take up this discussion again for the next, you know, chapter 8, 9, and 10. And it gets even more interesting in chapter 10. But suffice to say, Paul says, yeah, you can, you can do that. You are free to do so. He agrees with their freedom. But then, verses 7 and following, he says, time out. Just because you can do so, just because you have the freedom to do so, doesn't mean you should do so. You don't use your freedom for your own good. You don't use your freedom to stand in your rights and say, I can do this, back off. You use your freedom to say, fellow Christian, how can I serve you? I can refrain from doing that out of love and concern for you. And in that way, love builds up. Knowledge puffs up. Knowledge says, I can do this. Love says, how can I serve you with this freedom? You see, that's how Christian freedom is used. It's totally turned around from the idea of my individual liberty and my individual right to do so. Turned around to, this is my right and my freedom to serve you and to serve God. And so Paul says, um, food won't bring us closer to God. We don't lack anything if we do not eat, nor are we better off if we do. Um, <laughs> even if you're vegan, it's not going to bring you closer to God. Um, but we want to be careful, want to be cautious. Verse 9, that our rights and our exercise of our rights does not become a stumbling block to the weak. If someone sees you, this person who has knowledge, dining in an idol's temple, will not the conscience of this man weak as he is be emboldened to eat from an idol sacrifice? In other words, even though you are free to do so, if your conscience tells you not to do so, then you would be sinning if you go against your conscience. Even if that conscience, even though that conscience is misinformed and wrong and out of step with the word of God and the freedom of the Christian, that conscience forbids a person from eating at the idol temple, at least in this example. And so that conscience would make something that is in um, the realm of Christian freedom uh, for that person not free. What a fascinating thought, and that's kind of a big thought. And so Paul says, use your freedom in such a way, use your freedom in love <laughs> to build up. Don't just stand on your own freedom and your own rights and your own personal preferences and, and say, well, I can do this because I'm free to do so. No, you've been called to a body of believers. And so we use our Christian freedom to serve one another in love. You can find us tonight, 7 p.m. worship at 2250 South Holland, Savannah Road, Mommy. You can also find us Sunday mornings, 9 a.m., uh, same place. You can also follow us on YouTube. Tune in there. Just search for Resurrection Mommy. God bless your day.